Good evening and shalom from Galilee, from Israel. I'm Amir Talfati, and this is a special live Q&A session regarding the war in Israel. I know there's so many people with a lot of questions, and we are gathering your questions right now, even as we are doing this broadcast. You can write your questions in the chat room, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube or even X Twitter, you can do that. Our team is collecting questions and we will answer them. With me today, helping me with uh, collecting and asking the questions is Steve Yon. Hello, Steve. Hi, my friend. How you doing? I had better days, uh, yeah. but considering yeah. circumstances, I'm okay. And Steve, thank you uh, for being with me today. Uh, why don't you start with a prayer? And, uh, we'll jump right into uh, our Q&A session. Will do. Lord, we are uh, so thankful that no matter what is going on around us, we know that you are there. We know of your uh, constant and unfailing love for your people, and that includes the nation of Israel. And uh, Lord, we ask for your, uh, your strength your peace, your justice, uh, and your love to prevail in that situation, Lord. Uh, we pray for wisdom for the leaders. We pray for uh, uh, hope amidst those um, who are struggling within the nation, uh, wondering what is going on. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, this time today that you, uh, uh, you give Amir uh, wisdom in the words that he says um, so that he can communicate your truth uh, to your people. So we give this time into your hands. Uh, we thank you. And in all things, we always seek to glorify your name, Lord. Amen. 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 So just uh, you guys, so you know, day 19 of the war, we, in the last 24 hours, we either were attacked or have been attacking both in Gaza, Lebanon, and Syria. Israel bombed once again the Aleppo airport. Uh, we also bombed southern Syria in the area of Dara last night. All following uh, rockets that were fired from there, we destroyed another couple, uh, maybe three or four squads of anti-tank uh, missile terrorists that uh, were about to launch their rockets from Lebanon. So far, more than 60 Hezbollah terrorists were eliminated. And of course, in the South, we are awaiting a special announcement from Prime Minister Netanyahu regarding a most likely someone important that we uh, just eliminated in Gaza. And that is why there's a high alert all across the country for a possible barrage of rockets because of that. I, uh, I am not in my office. This is uh, my home. I, I had to move here because I need to be a walking distance from a bomb shelter, which is literally downstairs here, uh, where my son and uh, our dog and two cats are already. Um, and so if there is a siren going off uh, and you will hear it for sure, uh, you won't see me sitting here for too long and uh, just pray and we'll hope uh, that everything is fine. Anyway. Let's jump right into this Q&A. Steve, why don't we start? Well, Amir, one of the, the things that I appreciate about you during times like this, even though there hasn't quite been a time like this before, but you, you always show that, that, that strength and stability in the midst of crazy times. And I know the reason for that is because of the foundation and, and you know scripture and, and you understand the truth and God's plans for Israel. But I know around you, there's a nation that's reeling right now. What can you tell us just about the mood of, uh, of the nation uh, in Israel right now? Well, let, 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 me, let me tell you that we can, we can divide it into two. Uh, on one hand, we, we feel violated. <laughs> we feel very vulnerable and broken for what happened. We established uh, the modern state of Israel from the ashes of the Holocaust, not that another Holocaust will happen within our own borders while having one of the strongest militaries in the world. And therefore, 
There's the sentiment of shock and disbelief and, you know, and brokenness in, in a way. But having said that, the unity, resolve, and the strength that I find now in, in this nation. Um, look, I analyzed the events of, of October 7th, although there are so many questions in regard to how it really started. What I do know is this, the uh, amount of people that penetrated and the amount of weapons that they brought with them and the spirit, the satanic spirit that they came in with, things should have been and could have been way worse than that. The quick response of police and special units uh, prevented a much bigger massacre. And I don't think the Palestinians themselves thought that we will retaliate that fast and that quickly and kill over 1,500 of them, you know, within 24 hours. So this is why I'm saying on one hand, we feel the heaviness, the grief, the sorrow, the pain, the shock. But on the other hand, there is such a sense of resolve, determination, clarity for the first time it's clear to us and and so i mean i see the clarity that i just talked about is that we 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 now know the people on the other side are not for peace and remember i quoted psalm 120 verses 5 to 7 from the very get-go of this war this is not the ezekiel war this is not you know prophecy of psalm 83 this is not what we see now is people that we live next to that wants to live instead of us. They don't think we have the right to live. I don't even think about, uh, I mean, this is a religious spirit. It's not even a territorial dispute. We found today, or at least we exposed today to the media, a, a little note that we found in one of the pockets of the terrorists. And if you are on Telegram, you can find it because it says that go and kill those that are like uncurable disease, behead them and take their organs, pull them out. I mean, the religious calling for us to be beheaded, torn to pieces, and the fact that we're called a disease without cure, that's not someone that you have a territorial dispute with. This is a different story. It's diabolical. That's, that's something else. And if you follow me on Telegram, you also heard the, the horrific phone call of one of the civilians that ran into the kibbutz Miplasim and killed a couple, killed 10 people. But he, in, in one of the houses, he killed the husband and his wife, and he took the wife's phone. He used her WhatsApp messenger app. And he called his parents and he was so excited that he managed to kill 10 Jews and their hand, their blood are still on his hand. He actually admitted that he killed them. He, he actually was proud that their blood are on, on his hand. And, and he said, this is what I was born for. So I think uh, if there was any Israeli that ever thought that there's a, any chance for peace with the Palestinians, 80 to 90% of the Israelis are sobering up right now to the reality that we need to take care of ourselves and there is no partner on the other side. Another part of the, the attack, it wasn't just the killing, which was so horrific, but it was the taking of hostages. And one person uh, asked, what is the status of the hostages now? And is Israel holding off on their attack uh, because of the hostages. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. There's over 220 uh, hostages right now uh, in the hands of not only Hamas. It was like a market. Everyone took someone. I mean, Hamas is holding more than 200, but Islamic Jihad is about 30. And we also know that some hostages are held by private people in their homes because they think they might make money on them. In many other cases, it's young women that are just being raped right now and abused right now for the sake of the pleasure of defiling your enemy. Right now, there is a there are some negotiations through the Qataris for the release of a considerable number of hostages. But the only reason why Israel is 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 
postponing its ground maneuver is not because of that. It's because of uh, the American request uh, to give them few days to bring their weapon systems in order for them to con to protect their own soldiers because everyone knows that the war truly, really did not start yet. Everybody understands that only when Israel will invade into Gaza from the ground, from the sea, and from the air, that's when Hezbollah is going to lose it. The proxies from Syria will lose it and from Yemen and Iraq. So everyone understands that one of the main things they're going to do is get their anger on the U.S. soldiers in the Middle East. And so the U.S. asked us to hold off for a couple of days so their patriots and and, and THADB, uh, the THAAD uh, um, um, missile defense systems will all make it to the Middle East, be deployed, so American troops will also be protected um, ahead of the Israeli invasion. Uh, so um, the hostages right now are becoming a burden more than an advantage to the Hamas people. In fact, a couple of days ago in my update, I, I said, what they thought is their biggest asset became their worst nightmare because that large number of hostages caused Israel to want to go in and eliminate Hamas completely. Hamas thought that we'll be on our knees begging for our hostages to be released. And they realized it's exactly the opposite. So Hamas realized that they look terrible in the eyes of the world, holding babies and old people and Holocaust survivors and and, and young girls that have been raped and, and abused. And, and of course, what they might end up doing is only keep the Israeli soldiers and release everyone else as a humanitarian gesture, which is pathetic because to begin with, why did you even kidnap them? And so uh, we're going to see a lot of psychological warfare and manipulation done by the masters of manipulation. And, and uh, the hostages are what they're going to use. You know, and, and with the, the manipulation, you can see this really taking place around the world with some of the arguments that you find in support of, of the Palestinians. You know, there are some, and, and a, a question that, that somebody said is, how should one respond to Hamas sympathizers saying that Israel deserves this because they've been oppressing Palestinians for years? They compare it to a, a rape victim punching a rapist in the face. I'm asking you, how can anyone justify the burning of and beheading of babies? If you can justify that, you are as sick as the perpetrators. And if people can justify that, they are sick. They are demon-possessed. And I, I say, all you can do with demon-possessed is pray for them. I mean, not engage in any exchange of words, because if they know what Hamas did and still uh, sympathize with them, they are as bad as Hamas. You know, Nazis could not exist unless people tolerated them and supported them. And that's exactly what we see now. So what else can we do? We provided the evidences that it was done. We brought their own confession. We brought the video from their own body cameras. And we brought the search and rescue teams that told you how we found things. If you can accept that as a justifiable thing to do, you are sick and you need deliverance. So I don't, I, I think that people don't understand this. I would say the spiritual aspect of what we're watching right now. People underestimate it. It's diabolic, satanic, and demonic in its nature. And anyone that is taking part of it, supporting it, sympathizing with it, is as bad as the perpetrators of it. So I'm saying, you know, to save your effort, pray for them, and do not echo what they say, because there is nothing on planet Earth that can justify the beheading of babies and the burning alive of so many children and women. And I mean, it's just, you know, the things that we've seen, 
I'm asking you, what can ever justify the opening of a pregnant woman's stomach and stabbing her unborn baby with a knife and then shooting her in the back, in the neck? If you tell me that there is anything in the world that justifies that, you are as sick as those people. We have a dispute on territory that goes back to the 1920s and 30s, and it has nothing to do with any. I mean, if there is one people, one nation that took care of the Palestinians is Israel. And trust me, almost every person they killed along the kibbutzim near Gaza was someone who was a sympathizer of the Palestinians, somebody who took care of them and help bringing children from Gaza to Israeli hospitals. All of them were left-wing liberals that were believing in peace with the Palestinians. That's the shock in Israel. They, they killed their biggest supporters. That's, that's what they did. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but any, any show of sympathy to what they did is sick. We know that just a, there's a strong hatred, obviously, against the Jews. And there has to be because uh, we see who's teaming up together. And this is another question that, that we have. Hamas is Sunni, Iran is Shia. Why is Iran helping Hamas? I guess that's the only thing that brings them together. Nothing else. The only thing is the hatred for the Jewish people for religious reasons. And uh, everything they do, look, they didn't call this war the Palestine storm. They call it the Al-Aqsa storm. Why? It's, just, it's all religious. It's all about the religion. And they're trying to create a religious uh, war here. And even the reaction of some of the countries can tell you that there's a much broader conflict here that people are trying to position themselves as, uh, as an important player. I mean. Why do you think Erdogan said today that Hamas is not a terrorist organization, but actually a freedom-fighting organization? Because Hamas is Islamic Brotherhood, and the Islamic Brotherhood of Turkey is, the, is, is what Erdogan is heading. Erdogan is the leader of the party, political party of the Islamic Brotherhood in Turkey. And Erdogan wants to position himself as the leader of the Sunni world, whereas it's not him right now, it's Saudi Arabia the custodian of Mecca and Medina. The Saudis are actually, they have outlawed the Muslim Brotherhood. Egypt has outlawed the Muslim. Why do you think Egypt doesn't want a single Hamas person in its territory? They have enough of those in their own territory, in their own country. So it is, you know, all I'm saying is that when you see who Iran is dealing with, Iran is teaming up with, you know, countries that do have no regards to human rights at all. I mean, Turkey can lecture as, lo as long as they want, but the Erdogan would care less about human rights. And I can, uh, you can ask all of his opponents, they'll tell you they're still in prison. What about Russia? What about China? And of course, Iran. The axis of evil is clearer than ever before. And uh, it's very interesting because uh, throughout what we see now, the stage for the Ezekiel War is going to be prepared. Even today, I, I reported on Libya ordered all the major Western countries' ambassadors to get out of the country. Libya. Remember, Ezekiel wars Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and Sudan. I mean, what's next? Sudan kicking the Western countries out? So I'm just saying uh, we're, we're watching something very, very interesting that is happening. That's not the war, but that's definitely the, uh, the catalyst for this coming war. That will come soon. So yes, Steve, yes, it is sad to see those countries lining up with them. It's sad to see the UN Secretary General speaking the way he speaks. He's a is an anti-Semite. We've known him for years. He's a socialist from Portugal that, you know, that's that's in his blood. And it's very sad. It's very sad that anyone can even find any justification to something that is worse than what Auschwitz was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, earlier you alluded to the fact that this, this delay 
is beneficial to Israel as they prepare for the invasion of the South. There have been a couple of questions I think that are tied in with that. One is, why is Biden running Israel's war as they see this, this delay in, in the ground war in the South? And the second, is there any chance that Israel can be pressured into a ceasefire? Yeah. Okay, so two things. First of all, Biden is not running the show here. Biden, if anything, wants us to win because if Israel is not going to win here, then all the moderate Sunni countries are probably going to fall because every one of the terrorists and extremists in those countries will be inspired by the victory of Hamas. So everyone wants to see them defeated. That's not it. However, when a country such as America provides us with JDAM bombs, with munition for Iron Dome, with a supply of weapons, ammunition, as well as uh, putting enough warplanes that are almost like half of our Air Force right next to us. You cannot, and then the only thing he asks is, can you hold it off for a few days because I want to protect my own soldiers. Why would we say no to that? And I will tell you this, every day that passes that we're not entering into Gaza is a, it's going to ensure a safer entrance to Gaza because we continue to crush Gaza from the air. A lot of people don't know that when we destroy a building in Gaza, and by the way, 80% of the buildings are standing, but those that we do destroy are not just building where we know terrorists live or operate from. But there are also buildings that are situated on top of an, an entrance to a tunnel. There's about 1,300 tunnels under Gaza, 500 kilometers, 320 miles length, five times the length of, of, of the Gaza Strip. And we're talking about some of them are as deep as 20 feet or no, 200 feet, because they have multi levels. We're talking about you know, tunnels that are well cemented all around. And, and this is where 30 to 40,000 terrorists are right now waiting for us. This is also where the leaders of Hamas are hiding right now. And it's better if we killed as many as we can from the air right now to obviously reduce the chances that they're going to pop out when we're inside and surprise us. Another thing you want to know is there's, there's over 100,000 Israeli reservists right now that uh, haven't uh, held a gun for a year or so and haven't really trained uh, much for the last year or two. And we need to train them and make sure that before they go in, they're as ready as possible. So every delay, A, it's good to be nice to your friend, America, but it's also good to know that you, once you go in, you are ready to um, uh, deliver. The last thing I want to remind you is that Israel's entry will mean a greater war. We know that Hezbollah is not going to just send a few squads of anti-tank themselves. It's going to be thousands of rockets flying towards Israel. All of the militias, the pro-Iranian militias uh, that are coming from Iraq and Syria, they're going to be, I think there's a, 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 a movie called World War Z or something like that. Yeah. They're like zombies. They're going to be, I just read a report that they claim that they have 100,000 suicide bombers. I mean, they're going to go to the border and explode in, in, in order to open as many holes in any of the fences around and then swarm into northern Israel or northeast and, 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 and take as many places as possible. They are ready to die. This is what they've been trained for. These are zombies. They're not there to sit and negotiate with you. or They've been trained for years for this moment. So Israel will not start a grand ground maneuver before Israel knows that it's ready to sustain a blow, not only from Gaza, but mostly from Hezbollah, from uh, Syria. And also, let me remind you, a few days ago, 
an American uh, destroyer, uh, intercepted four cruise missiles. Saudi Arabia intercepted the fifth. These cruise missiles were fired from Yemen towards the port city of Eilat on the Red Sea. And these are very heavy cruise missiles that are, oh, well, we're talking about 600 pounds of explosive there in each, or maybe, maybe actually 800 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. And, and we're talking about 20 drones and five cruise missiles. And thanks to the American carrier, American destroyer and the Saudis, those were shut down. So there's another front from the South that we have to take in consideration. Now we do have the means to deal with all of that, but it's going to overwhelm our systems. And, and you know, if they're sending 5,000 rockets, then if we intercept 90%, then 500 are going to fall. And some of them on critical infrastructures, such as energy and electricity and water. So what we have to, we're bracing for something much bigger right now. And I mean, I don't think the war really started. And this is why actually we don't mind the Americans around uh, with the, their carriers and firepower that is, is a force multiplier. And it, why not? I mean, we, we could use all the help that we need because this is obviously going to be a multi-front in, in a, a regional war. And uh, I think America has all the interests in the world not to get this world fall into the hands of the extremists. You know, and I, I think it's, it's easy, just speaking from here in America, it's easy to, to distance from what's taking place in Israel. But I think if, if we who are watching this, if we just transfer the situation to to our country, no matter what country you're in, whether you're in America, Canada, in, whether in, in Europe or wherever you are, imagine 100,000 people, soldiers, ready to pour over your border and start attacking. And, and you think of the size of the border you know, we in America have, but then you compare that to, to the size of Israel and to have 100,000 and to know that's there and had to go through your day-to-day -day life. I know that's what, that's what you are facing there. I mean, think about it, Steve, a hundred thousand people are ready to, let's say, penetrate from the Mexican border and then storm into San Diego and take maybe two to 3,000 civilians hostages and slaughter 30,000 people. That's the equal, what's equal to what happened to us. Do you think America will even consider any ceasefire or, I mean, look at what you did because of 9-11. That was 15 times less if you take the, you know, proportion of the population versus the fatalities. What, what happened to Israel on, on Saturdays, October 7th is 15 times more or bigger than 9-11. So, I mean, if you have 3,500 dead times 15, you know, it's then, I mean, you're talking about almost, you know, 45, 50, 55,000 people. For much less, you went to a war across the ocean, not to mention a war that is around the corner, right beyond your border. You know, you guys went to kill bin Laden in Afghanistan. Our bin Ladens are around the corner, beyond the fence. This is where they are. No one is ever going to go back to live in southern Israel or in, no, in the northern border if they know that these dangers are not taken care of and eliminated. And so it's obvious to all the Israelis, we will not go back to normal life before Hamas and Hezbollah will be no longer a threat. And in order for that to happen, going to go into a war. It's obvious to all of us. We're ready for it. I mean, we will not live like that anymore. And that's what, that's what we're bracing for. You know, earlier you talked about some of the, the, the weapons that are available to, to Israel. So the IDF is, is a, an incredibly advanced military. You and I know just from writing the near to war books, the Mossad is the 
premier intelligence service on the face of the earth. So what happened? That's what one of our, our viewers is asking. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. We overestimated ourselves and underestimated our enemies. That's what happened. We thought that there is a, you know, they got us used to the fact that they do exercises. And, and make no mistake, even that morning, all of their terrorists didn't know it's the real deal. They were called into an exercise. And only when they arrived with their weapon and ready, they were told, no, today it's the real deal. And they were super excited because finally, after all those exercises, but on the other side, we were sure it's an exercise. We were not even thinking for a second that it's going to evolve into what really happened. There were multiple mistakes done, mostly in, on the intelligence level. And once you don't have the right intelligence, you don't have the readiness. Intelligence is very crucial because if you interpret intelligence correctly, you make sure that everyone is ready. And those things did not happen. Look, I, I remember when, when I woke up, uh, it was 1 a.m. I was in Philadelphia and it was 1 a.m. It was just one hour into this whole thing. I asked myself how, because I'm watching these things live happening and I see thousands of Palestinians storming through this two and a half billion dollar worth of electronic fence. They just storm into Israel. And, and I thought to myself, what in the world has happened? And I realized, and of course, the more it's 18 days later, we know exactly who did what and why. Look, it was very easy for me in the first 24 hours to sail into the shores of conspiracy. Because, I mean, I was as shocked as everyone. But the because I didn't want to believe that it was that easy. But the more we discover what happened throughout the night and the chain of command and the fact that the, the commanders decided, let's reconvene. We see something strange, but let's reconvene at 8 a.m. Well, it, it took place at 6.30 a.m. I mean, they literally saw something strange, but they didn't think it's something that will happen in the immediate uh, uh, time. So they thought, let's reconvene and reassess at 8 a.m. And that's their mistake. I mean, there were mistakes and mistakes and mistakes. The whole concept of Hamas was, was, was wrong. The, the head of the military intelligence for the last weeks and months told the government that Hamas is deterred, that Hamas will not do anything. I mean, the government believed the military intelligence. That's what we do in, in a normal country. They know what they're talking about. We invest billions in our intelligence. And so the whole concept of them daring and being able to do this, because look, Israel knew something like a scenario like that can happen, but we all were sure it's going to happen in the north with Hezbollah. Even in the first hour, the special forces of Israel were actually called up north thinking that this is just a distraction to the big thing that will come from the north. We were sure that the day of judgment that the Iranians are pro promised, it, it happens and, and most of the problem will be from the north. None of us realize that Hamas actually betrayed Iran and did not follow orders and did not follow the plan and actually jumped its gun too early. And that's why Hezbollah is just, you know, all, all they, they can do now is send few squads of anti-tank missiles because they, they, that's it. The momentum is gone. Israel is now on its highest alert with hundreds of thousands of soldiers on its borders with another air force floating on American carriers with uh, U.S. naval, you know, your, not only you have 2,000 Marines on, on their way, but you also have all of your Delta Force and Navy SEALs on the ground here. Special forces of European countries are in Cyprus, ready to be deployed. Hezbollah is not going to try to do that now because it's, it's a suicide. So we didn't 
see it coming. As, as sad as it, as it is to admit, we failed miserably. It was a colossal failure. And again, it's easy to sail into conspiracy. I wanted also, I wanted, I wanted to believe that it, there is a conspiracy because Israel is so strong. But we, look, we are strong. We just did not read the map correctly. And we paid dearly for it. But there's a good side. I mean, in every tragedy, you can see also something good. And the good thing is that we sobered up. It's a different nation. We're no longer fighting over who is praying where in Tel Aviv. And the most important thing is that all of our dreams about Palestinian state, uh, live in peace with our neighbors, they're gone. That's it. It's over. I also think that the Israelis are taking more seriously uh, their self-defense. And we understand that we cannot trust anyone around us. That's it. I also believe that from all of this bitter reality, a lot of good things can come. We saw a miracle after miracle in, in the way things evolved after that. And I can also tell you that on a spiritual level, I've never been asked by so many Israelis about my faith as I am right now. So we need to continue to pray that from this terrible tragedy, good things will come out. And again, Steve, I had a feeling that something big is going to happen. In fact, I didn't say war. I didn't want to scare anyone. But to my own people here, I said, I know there's a war coming. I, I, mean, it, I mean, they actually texted me that morning saying, how did you know? The thing is, I knew something monumental will happen that will require me to stay in Israel. And this is why we... I, I declared a few months ago that I'm not going to be traveling next year. In fact, I am now indefinitely in Israel. And I knew that there will be a need to teach uh, the word, but there will be a need to report from Israel because there will be too much, there will be too much deception all around. And this is exactly why we're building our center in Galilee called Connect. You talked about being sure that you don't get caught flat-footed again and keeping your eyes on your neighbors. Um, the Abraham Accords made huge strides to, to building relationships with, you know, the UAE and, and even with Saudi Arabia drawing closer and closer together. Do you see this uh, possibly breaking down what's been done with the Abraham Accords? No, in uh, fact, no, no. Uh, both. The Emirates and the, the Bahrainis said today that they, are, they hope that our relationship is not going to get damaged. This whole thing will not derail us from our collaboration and cooperation. And even the Saudis, they're very mild, as you can see with their response to this whole thing. The Saudis and the Egyptians, they don't want the, the Muslim brotherhoods. They detest Hamas. Uh, they wish to see us overcoming them because also they detest Iran. Iran is the biggest enemy of all of these Sunni countries around. So, uh, no, actually, and I posted that on Telegram today, that the, the Abraham Accords are actually proving themselves to be strong, even in a storm like this. In fact, I believe that one of the reasons Iran is, you know, is interested in destabilizing the region is for a Saudi-Israeli agreement not to happen. But I don't think it's going to work because if, it's, if, if there's anything the Saudis are watching right now is how easy the Iranians can destabilize the region. And the Saudis, will, are, are the Saudis, the Egyptians, and I think every other country around us are watching carefully what Israel is about to do. They want us to crush Hamas. They just cannot be seen as someone who is happy about this. So they have to release some statements here and there. But you have to understand, everyone wants us to finish with them. We never did that job thoroughly in the past. Now, for the first time in the history of Israel, we have a very clear mission that we made it clear to the soldiers to go and crush Hamas. The, the days of Hamas are over. These are the last few weeks that they survived. We're going to see 
fightings in Gaza, again, I, I tried to tell you before, the Gaza that everybody's seeing on, on, on camera is not the Gaza we are going to destroy. Our biggest problem is not the buildings on top. It's the 1,300 tunnels underneath. There's a whole underground Gaza where almost 40,000 terrorists are hiding right now. And this is also where the kidnapped Israelis are held right now. And so we are determined to have a ground maneuver to eliminate that threat from under the ground. And uh, we'll do whatever it takes. We're very determined. I have never seen such determination, neither among the Israeli citizens nor among soldiers and leaders. So it has to be done. Well, I want to give you a, a, a quick flurry of questions that are all tied together. Um, and it all has to do with, with Bible prophecy. You've already touched on uh, Ezekiel 38. But if you could again reiterate, is this tied to Ezekiel 38? What about Isaiah 17.1? Do you think a, an invasion coming from the north could lead to the destruction of Damascus? And then someone also asked about Zephaniah 2, 4, and 5. Could that be related to this words where Gaza shall be forsaken and Ashkelon desolate? Ashkelon and Ashdod are Israeli towns. You don't want them to be desolated. So I don't see that as a, this is a prophecy regarding when those were Philistine cities. But when it comes to Damascus, I've always said that I believe that the destruction of Damascus will come before the Ezekiel war as a, as, as an, a catalyst to that war or as a, one of the main reasons for that war. And no doubt if Israel will feel that there is a great threat that is already now we, we told this, the Hezbollah, that if they will start from the north, we might topple uh, Assad. So we understand that Iran does not want to lose their grip on Syria. Um, Israel is ready. We, we've been attacking in Syria for years, but even throughout this war, at least four times we did. Two of them are last night and this morning. So to say that uh, it's not a possibility, no, it is a possibility. It, it is a possibility. We think that there is about, I don't know, 10,000 suicide soldiers coming from Syria. We're going to obliterate Syria, or at least wherever they come from. Israel took off the gloves. We're no longer going to ask ourselves, what will the world say? That's it. We're done. This is a war in order to survive. It's an existential threat that we have. And we are going to do whatever it takes. Look, we did not bring upon ourselves this thing. Remember, Saturday morning was a holiday, was a Shabbat, was a, the last day of a very joyful festival of the Jewish people. Out of the blue, uh, 2,000 terrorists decided to uh, rape and kill and behead and destroy and burn alive 1,400 people. That's how it all started. We didn't do anything. Uh, and this is a genocide. And under the Geneva Convention, um, when we go through a genocide, in fact, we have the duty, not the right, the duty to go and annihilate the perpetrators. And in fact, one of the things is and, and this is where I disagree with America. America is pressing, pr pressuring us to get some humanitarian aid. Everything that we bring into Gaza will go into the hands of Hamas because Hamas is ruling Gaza. Hamas is Gaza. Gaza is Hamas. These people voted for Hamas. They sympathize. They want them. They love them. They, that's who they are. So to tell me that you take care of the the people, but not of Hamas, it's to lie to us and to yourself. And, and I think that as long as you bring humanitarian aid, you sustain Hamas, you extend the suffering of the people. Uh, I think that uh, a humanitarian crisis is required in order to press Hamas and in order to destroy them earlier, so less people will be suffering eventually. 
And so, you know, it's illegal actually to supply uh, any humanitarian aid to a pocket of territory that is controlled by terrorists. It's illegal. It's not illegal to not allow them food. It's illegal to allow them food if it's the terrorists that are taking it. So this is what we have right now. And we're, we're dealing with that. I do not want to be in, in the shoes of the prime minister of Israel, right? It's, these are, someone said that this is the most difficult uh, position right now in the history of our nation. And we need to pray for him. He, you know, I'm sure that at the age of 74, he wished not to be remembered for this, but for all the other good things that he did. That's, and that's one of the questions that, that came up to you. Do you think that the support for Netanyahu will last? And tied with that also is, do you think support for Israel will last? Or will that eventually weigh, you know, maybe due to another false flag that, that uh, was attempted with, with the hospital? I think that everybody already understands that Hamas is deceptive and uh, no one really believes any of their false flags anymore. But, and I'm saying that now, you know, it's very important. I do believe that right now we managed to create this equation of ISIS and Hamas and Nazis and all of that. And it works. The, the West is totally with us right now. But the time is going to come when Hamas might not be there. But Russia will lead an assault together with Turkey and, 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 and Iran and Sudan and Libya, and, and no one will be with us. There, there will be some people who will protest the invasion, but there's not going to be two American carriers, 2,000 Marines and, and some special forces on the ground. God will have to intervene in a very supernatural way with earthquake and uh, hailstones and and stuff that is falling from the sky to destroy the enemy's uh, uh, soldiers on the mountains of Israel. And so if this war is hard, the next one will, will not have any physical support and we will be attacked by much more powerful forces and the Lord God of Israel will intervene. And, and that's the comforting thing is that I know the end of the story, Steve. I'm not, I'm not afraid that Israel will be gone. Hamas should be afraid, but I'm not afraid. I know the end of the story. I know my God. His name is the God of Israel. He is the one that is uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We, we, we're not afraid to not exist anymore, but we're concerned about a Legitimately, we are concerned about a war that we wish didn't come, but it is going to come. And I, again and again, I think that praying for the people of Israel to have as many of them open their eyes to ask themselves, what is the source of peace in this world and how can I be saved? And I think that this is going to be a harvest time. So that's why we do what we do. Before we, we wrap up, there's been a number of people who have, have asked uh, in the chats, uh, you mentioned Connect and asked how to donate to Connect. And just to let you folks know, if you go to the Behold Israel website at uh, www.beholdisrael.org, there's a, a place there, a button that says donate. And when you click on that, you'll find an option there to, to donate to Connect to help put together this this really a, a headquarters for, uh, for outreach, both to uh, the rest of the world, but what's most exciting is uh, within Israel also. So uh, there's that opportunity. We appreciate uh, those of you who asked uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I want to, to thank people. We think we've made it to halfway of what we need. We're going to begin construction. The place is standing, but we have plans to be approved and, and then the contractor to find. And so we believe that throughout September, uh, December, January, and February, it will be the construction. And so by March, 
it will be ready, hopefully. Yeah, we're looking forward to teaching Israelis and to teaching all around the world through our new studios. And it's not going to be in my house, that's for sure. So, well, I know we've, we're coming to the end of our, our hour here. Is there any anything else that you want to leave, uh, leave people with? I want people to uh, stay away from sensationalism, stay away from conspiracy. Do not even think for a second that our own prime minister ordered any troops to stand down. That's not how it works here. We're not a banana republic where the prime minister is telling the soldiers not to do this. We have a minister of defense. We have a chief of staff. We have military. Uh, that's not how things work here. And uh, I want you to not assist the enemy with all of these nonsense because it's only strengthened the enemy when you, when you claim those things. I also want you to stay away from sensationalism regarding some prophecies that are being fulfilled. Yes, the word Hamas in Hebrew means terror, but the Hamas we deal with has nothing to do with Hebrew, it has to do with Arabic. It's an acronym of uh, the movement of Islamic resistance. That's what it is. You have to understand Hamas is today, Hezbollah is there, the Nazis were there, the Ayatollahs are there. It's not just Hamas. Don't inflate one and ignore the others. These are all powers that are, for the most part, demonic powers, and they are demonic, diabolic. This is a satanic attack on God's people. This is a diabolic thing. And it's, by the way, and as I said before, it starts here. But it, look how many sympathizers, sympathizers of these Nazis you have in, Ameri in American universities, on American streets. Look how many of them are in, all across Europe and UK and Canada. This is not where it's going to end. This is where it starts. And this is why a lot of European countries have began to take things seriously. They understand it starts with words, but it ends up with actions. And if they say they will kill you, eventually they will. I mean, it's just a matter of timing. So I want you to stay alert and I want you to understand that uh, we need to pray like never before because this is a spiritual warfare. And uh, he that is in us is greater as he that is in this world. Amen. Amen. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I want to thank everyone for um, being with us. And, and I know there's a lot more questions that people sent us. First of all, I want to thank everyone for congratulating me for my birthday a couple of days ago. And also for so many of you that are praying and you sent a lot of questions. We read them all. We care about you. We thank you. And with all that is going on, there was no way I could thank everyone for everything. But we do get them and we do read them and we do love you and appreciate your love and support. And we, we will go through this and get out of it even stronger. All right, Steve. So I think this is the time where we say goodbye. And we want to thank you. God bless you. Steve, thank you also for helping me. And uh, watch this uh, video of how to connect uh, with me on Telegram. Thank you, and God bless you, and shalom.